This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News here to recap WWE SmackDown Live for July 26th, 2016. Man, this is definitely a new era, and it's gotten off to a weird, weird start. We had Raw, an excellent Monday Night Raw that featured more of a live sports presentation. We had Sasha Banks win the women's title on Raw, not even at SummerSlam. We had Charlotte kind of get shafted a little bit. We had Finn Balor in one night on his 35th birthday pin the United States champion Rusev and then pin Roman freaking Reigns clean in the middle of the ring to headline SummerSlam. Well, to earn the opportunity to headline SummerSlam against Seth Rollins for the vacant, newly created WWE Universal World title. Holy doodle squat. So here we have SmackDown. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, Jesus Christmas, how in the blue hell, literally, are they going to follow that? Well, they followed it all right. But I got to say, spoiler alert, it did not live up to Raw's expectations or the expectations that were set by Monday Night Raw. There was a high bar set for both shows. Raw somehow, some way, exceeded it for one night. And I have to admit, that might be one of the all-time great Raws in history. No matter what happens after that, no matter if they screw up Finn Balor and bury him or whatever, that already is an all-time great Raw. I mean, what, three great matches? Finn Balor winning at the end, pinning Roman Reigns. So we kicked off tonight's show with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan coming out. And they decided, you know what? We're going to have ourselves a six-pack challenge, a six-way match. It'll be John Cena, Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, and there's going to be a sixth participant in this match. But, hmm, who could it be? Well, they said, you know what? We're going to have ourselves a battle royale. And the winner of this battle royale will be in the match. And I got to say, this... Battle Royal wasn't pretty. Also, my bad. Forgot to mention Bray Wyatt was also in this match, and he was wearing this weird hoodie thing. He, as what a maneuver on, on Twitter said, he looked like he was coming out of Hot Topic. His shift from Hot Topic at your local mall to do his wrestling thing on the side. Yeah, a little, little awkward. He he, he kind of looks like he looks like right now like the love child of Broken Matt Hardy and Raven. Very awkward face for Bray Wyatt, but. You know, it's something different. So we had the Battle Royal. It was nothing special. I feel really bad for Zack Ryder. He went for a dropkick to the head of Kalisto. Missed that by a mile. Now, to be fair to him as a professional, he recovered very quickly. He didn't uh, He didn't dwell on the botch. He just beat up Kalisto with, with some punches. And then he was going for an elbow drop. And he slipped. He slipped. Got off the top rope. And punched Kalisto some more. It was a rough, rough night for Zack Ryder. Ooh, yeah. No rough riders, just a rough night for Zack Ryder. And yeah, this Battle Royal, the last few minutes were probably the worst I've ever seen in a Battle Royal. That includes some of the women's Battle Royals. Our final four were uh, Ryder. They, we had Apollo. We had Kalisto. And we had Kane. And it came down to Kane and Apollo. Apollo eliminated Kane, and he got to be in the main event of SmackDown, which is pretty cool. 
although the crowd was definitely behind Ryder. We had Becky Lynch tap out Natalia. This was a pretty good match, even when you know past the commercial break or two. But I felt like the crowd didn't care too much for this, mainly because we've seen Becky be booked like an idiot. Every time she has a best friend, they turn on her. All the freaking time. And there's nothing worse in wrestling. Well, there's a few things worse than this, but very few. There's few things worse than a stupid baby face. That's what she's been booked as for months and months and months. Pretty much since she got there. Been booked as a dumb baby face that's so trustworthy and loves her friends and then gets turned on by them. Ugh. Ugh. But this was a pretty good match. Becky Lynch won with the Disarmor. But this show was just dragging at this point. The Battle Royal was nothing special. This match was pretty good, but the, the crowd, you could tell, was, uh, yeah, they were, they, were, they were not really feeling this. And the opening promo segment, which had all the superstars in a ring and Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon hyping everybody up, it was pretty good, but it went a little long as well. So between the opening promo, the Battle Royal, then this match, yeah, the show was, was kind of dragging, which is weird because it's only two hours, but it was dragging. We didn't get a Shelton Benjamin vignette. So Shelton Benjamin, who is arguably the MVP of the early Money in the Bank ladder matches, despite not winning with his crazy high spots, former Intercontinental Champion, former United States Champion, former All-American in Wrestling from the University of Minnesota, Brock Lesnar's former teammate in Ohio Valley Wrestling and in the University of Minnesota. He is going to be back on SmackDown. I'm excited. Now, I know his work in Japan did not blow people away. Some people may say he got overexposed because while he was a great athlete, he maybe wasn't the best, you know, worker per se. But hey, somebody who grew up on Shelton Benjamin, I'm happy to see him back. I think he'll fit well in, in this WWE roster. I think he could have some kick-ass matches. And yeah, he, he's like 40 years old, but Father Time's treated him pretty well based on what I've seen. All right. We had Becky Lynch cut a promo after... The win over Natalia, only to be interrupted by Alexa Bliss. And I was excited. Cool, Alexa Bliss. She's going to cut her intro promo. This is her debut on the main roster. Great. But no, Naomi returns and interrupts, saying this is her time. Then Carmella, who makes her main roster debut, interrupts and says it's going to be fab and she moonwalks. I just have no idea why this girl is not with Enzo and Cass. Pretty lame, in my opinion. She was a great part of the act in NXT. And for whatever reason, she's separated from them. So she moonwalked, did her thing, was trying to cut a promo until Ava Marie. Ava Marie's theme music hit. And it essentially had this narrator that said, introducing the most beautiful, the most talented, the most spectacular, the most wonderful, the most fabulous woman alive. Something along those lines. Ava Marie and it had her music this went on forever Ava came out and my god all I gotta say is this I know Ava can't work I know Ava is hated by a lot of the fans and normally normally I would bury this sort of thing but they are totally capitalizing on her hatred they're totally capitalizing on how easy it is for her to get heat because she doesn't have a whole lot of talent in the ring. But my God, did she look like a hot box of rocks with that outfit? I mean, I don't know what her gimmick is. I think it's just 
I'm a really hot chick that's just getting opportunities because I'm really hot, kind of like you know what she's gotten in real life. And you know what? It worked at NXT, and I think it'll work here. The only thing I would have liked as part of this act is Nia Jax. I think the Nia Jax Ava Marie dynamic would be great on the main roster, but of course Raw has Nia Jax because Raw has all the nice things. They got Finn Balor, they got Nia Jax. We do have American Alpha, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan on SmackDown, but they're debuting next week because we had to make room tonight for Miz TV, which featured The Miz interviewing The Miz. Now, I'm a fan of The Miz's recent shtick, his act the last couple of months. I think it's been pretty damn good. Some of the best work of his career on the mic. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man, this did not belong on this show. This just dragged and dragged until Randy Orton came out and then it dragged some more. You see, Randy is no longer the Viper. He's the friendly neighborhood dad from Viperville. No, seriously, he used the name Viperville. He said, I might go to Suplex City but I'm going to take Brock Lesnar to Viperville. This is clearly a man that doesn't give a damn anymore. I mean, I think he gives a damn, but I think he's at the point where he's like, you know what? They gave me some stupid line called Viperville. I'm getting older. Let me just get paid. Let me have some great matches and let me move on. (sighs) I hear voices in my head. They tell me Randy Orton hasn't hit a tanning bed. They talk to me. Randy, he looked pale. He made fun of Miz. Miz reminded Randy that he beat him for the WWE title in 2010. I don't even think Randy Orton remembers what he did in 2012. I don't think Vince McMahon even remembers what happened in in 2010. He made Jack Swagger his world champion in 2010. So this set up a match. Miz originally rejected Randy, but Maurice said, you know what? You're on. And well, Randy and Miz wrestled, and this was not a good match. This featured Randy Orton. Randy Orton, who will be wrestling Brock Lesnar in one of the top matches at SummerSlam, perhaps the main event of SummerSlam, selling for lengthy periods of time for The Miz. Now, I don't know if he was really hurt or not, or if he was just doing a great job selling his shoulder. And, and, and selling the fact that The Miz was targeting his shoulder, which put him out for nine months. But if you're going to target the shoulder, if you're going to hint at some vulnerability of the Randy Orton character, hopefully he's not really hurt. If you're going to have Randy Orton sell for anybody not named Brock Lesnar before SummerSlam, one of the last people on my list, God bless him, But one of the last people on my list I would have Randy sell for before a match with Brock Lesnar is The Miz. If this was a match with Baron Corbin, who's a bigger guy, okay. Kane, okay. Big Show, okay. Sheamus, all right. You know, big, big guys, right? Big dudes. Braun the Strowman. Ugh, that guy sucks, but... You get what I'm saying. But no. We saw Randy favoring his shoulder in a match with The Miz. And Scott tells me here, Fred, you got to remember, 
Randy was selling the ring rust. Randy was selling the ring rust. Against the Miz? Come on, man. Randy should not be wrestling before SummerSlam unless it is in squash matches. And I'm not advocating squashing your Intercontinental Champion. Oh, by the way, Randy Orton won after his second RKO in the match because he couldn't capitalize on the first one. But he should be RKO and geeks like Braun Strowman fought on Monday. Or, or Nia Jax fought. Although I'm not, he shouldn't RKO women. But you know what I'm saying. Find some male geeks from some local indie. Have Randy RKO them. Whatever. Have him wrestle with Curtis Axel or whoever the hell. But my God. to oh. Selling for the Miz. This was a fail. And while the crowd popped for the RKO. While there were some chance of Randy. This was a ridiculously tepid reaction for a guy. A top guy that's been out for nine months. That speaks volumes about Randy Orton's character. And honestly, I think that speaks volumes about WWE doing its job or lack thereof of building up Randy Orton's return. Yes, they announced Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. Yes, they had him on the highlight reel. But if I were them, I would play some more vignettes. I would just build it up. I would just build it up. And you know what? Instead of having him come back in the highlight reel, I would just show him training. I would show him busting his ass. I would show him at the performance center. Maybe hitting RKOs and some geeks. Stuff like that. Showing his greatest moments over time. Kind of like a, like a real sports, you know? Instead of having him on the highlight reel and having him on the stupid talk show segment with The Miz, kind of do like a you know, HBO boxing type of deal. You know, show him training. Show Brock Lesnar training. And then kind of interview them at the gym or something. You know, nice and professional. Like the UFC countdown specials. Why not? This would be perfect. He's fighting a real fighter. Give this a real fight feel. Instead, he's selling for the Miz. And he's being family-friendly Randy. Oh, I, can't, I can't. I can't. It's just weird. I feel old now. I remember when Randy Orton killed Stacey Keebler. I remember when he took out Mick Foley. I remember when he became the youngest world champion in WWE history. And now... I imagine Randy next door. I'm, I'm, I'm watering my, my grandma's plants. And, and I just see him behind the fence. Oh, hey, Fred. I'm uh, cooking a few steaks to Viperville if you want to come over on Saturday. You know, uh, the wife's taking the girls out. They're having a, a girl's day. So uh, we're going to crack open uh, uh, a few beers and uh, watch the baseball game if you want to come over. Well, Randy, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool, man. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little, a little busy, though. Oh, come on, man. Come over to Viperville, man. I got a few sirloin steaks on the grill. Come on, man. I just bought a John Deere. I'll show you my new lawnmower. Do you have a lawnmower, Fred? Well, mine's broken. Well, I can fix it for you. Like, friendly neighborhood Randy Orton. It's so weird. Randy from Viperville. Jeez. Who's his valet? Jake from State Farm? My God. All right. Well, he won. Moving on. He, he needs to turn heel. Even if the crowd cheers him after he turns, he needs to turn heel. He needs to be a dick. I, I want my Randy Orton to be a douchebag. I don't need him being friendly and, you know, saying, oh, hey, Buffalo, New York. Like, ho, ho, ho. Like, it's just weird. It's just weird. At least he wasn't wearing pants. I mean, uh, that freaked me out on Sunday when he was wearing pants. All right. Calm down, Fred. Okay. We had Heath Slater come out. He beat up some geek jobber who was going to wrestle somebody. They didn't specify who. They didn't specify this jobber. And Heath cut the promo of his life saying that 
It's ridiculous that he did not get drafted to Raw or SmackDown and that Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon should recognize. Ooh. He's all grunting. He's huffing. He's puffing. Looked like he got a fresh cut, too. My man Heath was looking fresh, and he was cutting this epic promo. Shane McMahon came out and said, well, you know, there's easier ways to do this, Seth. You can send your resume. And he said, you know what? You can go on WWE Network for $9.99, go on your computer, type in my name, and you'll find my resume. And he listed his accomplishments, or lack thereof, three-time tag team champion, one of the founding members of the Nexus, one of the founding members of the core. I don't know if I'd brag about that one. Talked about 3MB. Talked about being the one-man band, baby. And the delivery was just great. This was the promo of Heath's life. And never, (laughs) ever did I think I would say this. Heath Slater, at that point, saved the show. He was great. I wanted to see this man wrestle. I wanted to see this man cut epic promos every freaking week. And I was actually hoping that he'd bitch slap Shane. Maybe set up a match down the road. Because they announced... That backlash, a SmackDown-only pay-per-view, will be taking place on September 11th. I'm not saying you have Heath beat Shane McMahon, considering Shane McMahon went toe-to-toe with The Undertaker, and it would look kind of bad if he loses to Heath when he almost beat The Undertaker, which is nonsensical as it is. But, you know, you could set something up here. I mean, Heath had... This fire from Heath, I've never seen him before. It was great. Bret Hart for years has been talking about how Heath Slater's underrated. And I think in the ring he is underrated, but, you know, he's a comedy guy. But this was good. This is really good. So how does it end? Does it end with Heath stirring crap up and tearing things apart and attacking Shane McMahon? Nope. It ends with Rhino. Rhino, who last time I checked was running for office in Dearborn, Michigan. Shout out to my Dearborn, Michigan peeps. And, and I guess he, he dropped out of the race or he didn't win or whatever because he just gored Heath Slater. Not like Rhino. Rhino, I think, is another guy that has been criminally underrated, more so than Heath Slater. Criminally underrated throughout his career. Damn good promo. Was always more over than his push in TNA. Is a guy that I think should have maybe gotten a run with the title you know, years and years ago. He's, he's really good. But it is 2016. ECW has been dead for a long time. I like that he's on, on the main roster. It's cool. He can help some young guys work and everything. He, he's another body in there. He's a name. He's a former world champion. Uh, but, man, poor Heath. Poor poor Heath. He just got he just got gored. He just got gored. And if you're going to have somebody take out Heath Slater, why not have it be American Alpha? And then down the road, should they set up a new tag team championship and a tournament for the tag titles? And say American Alpha wins them, maybe down the road you could bring back Heath Slater, have him team up with, oh, I don't know, maybe a guy whose contract's going to expire eventually like Drew McIntyre, a.k.a. Drew Galloway, or somebody else, attack American Alpha, and boom, you set up a feud. But no, instead he he lost to, well, he didn't lose, he just got destroyed to Rhino. He might as well have lost to Rhino. I don't know. I'm just trying to, trying to find ways to make Heath relevant and some of you may say well Fred this is a complete waste of time why are you bitching about Heath Slater you know it's not like they're going to do anything with him or some of these guys that have been on the main roster forever but then we get to the main event and you know why we had Dolph Bray Apollo Baird AJ and John Cena in a six-pack challenge 
This was a really good match. Crowd chanted, this is awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. We had a Tower of Doom spot. We had John Cena go crazy, hit a bunch of AAs. He had an AA on AJ Styles. AJ kicked out. Now, going into this match, I thought they were going to do what I predicted and what I, what I would do in this position. Book John Cena to win the number one contendership, go on to SummerSlam, wrestle Dean Ambrose, and put Dean Ambrose over clean because, you know, John Cena's got a lot of commitments outside of WWE. He's barely doing house shows this year. His star is not fading in WWE, but obviously they're kind of sort of phasing him down a little bit. And they, they kind of should because, you know, he's been around forever. And frankly, he doesn't need to be in every single pay-per-view main event to stay relevant. He's John Cena. He's a legend. His legacy is safe. That being said, while Dean Ambrose got not one but two huge wins this past week over Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins clean, which was great for his career, a win over John Cena with John Cena endorsing him would have been huge. Not only that, maybe you want to go the different way. Maybe you have John Cena beat Dean Ambrose, have Dean Ambrose get mucked up and involved with a bunch of different heels and stuff the next few months, have Dean Ambrose win the Royal Rumble. Around that time, say John Cena wins his record-breaking 17th world title, you do a rematch at WrestleMania on the biggest stage of the year, and Dean Ambrose pins John Cena that time to get his redemption, to get his title back, and in the middle of the ring on the biggest stage, John Cena endorses Dean Ambrose. And unlike Roman Reigns, fans actually like Dean, so they'd accept it. Now, maybe they'll go that direction anyway down the road. I know this really thinking long-term. God forbid I think long-term and it'll build up one of your big stars. But instead, we had Dolph Ziggler hit a super kick, which, oh, by the way, was a move used in maybe three or four matches at Battleground by the likes of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the Usos, and Luke Gallows. A super kick. So he hits this super kick on AJ Styles, who sells this like he just got shot by an 1800 musket. And AJ Styles collapses. Dolph covers him. And I'm watching this, and I see the ref. And oh, by the way, we had a ref bump earlier in the match. Bray pulled him out, and there were a, a few kind of, you know, phantom pinfalls. So anyway, Dolph is the super kick. He goes to pin AJ, and I see the referee's hand do something weird. All right? First, his hand goes down for one. Then I see his hand go down for two. And then, time stood still. And I see his hand like this. And it's going down. And down. And down. Until I hear three. And Dolph Ziggler's music played. And then I hear Greg Hamilton. A.K.A. the bastard child of Jeremy Borash. Albeit more handsome. Announce that the winner. And number one contender for SummerSlam. Is Dolph Ziggler on July 26th, 2016. And Dolph Ziggler 
pins AJ Styles in the middle of a hot feud with John Cena with a super kick to go on to be in one of the main events of SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. Now look, before I get all the zigzag fans that are going to get on me and say, Fred, you're being a little dramatic here. You're being a little stupid here, Fred. I just want to say this. I do not regret missing any wrestling events. I've been to a ton. Been to a ton. Now, if I could go back in time as a kid, I would love to have gone to a WCW Monday Nitro or an Attitude Era Raw. But other than that, I, I don't have any regrets of not attending events that have been in my area. All right? With all that being said, I was a Ziggler supporter for a long time. I, much like my boy Ryan Loco, shout out to him, just got married. I was a big Ziggler support, supporter, or supporter. You could add the Z there instead of the S. And, you know, much like every other Ziggler supporter, I eventually gave up because WWE gave up on Dolph Ziggler. But if there's one night where I wish I was in attendance at a venue in my area in New York, New Jersey, it was the night after WrestleMania 29 when he won the world title. I was lucky enough, meaning unlucky enough, to attend WrestleMania 29, which was a subpar WrestleMania with an obstructed view. Now, WWE was nice enough to hook me up with some tickets after the show because, you know, my view was obstructed. And I ended up going to a couple of good shows later that year. But none of them featured my boy Dolph Ziggler winning the world title, which was an all-time great Raw moment. What happened afterward was unfortunate with him getting a concussion and WWE taking the title off of him and then shifted him down the card. But for that one night, it was, it was great for Dolph Ziggler fans like myself. That was three and a half years ago. A couple years ago, he eliminated the authority at Survivor Series 2014. And within a couple months, they proceeded to do nothing with him yet again. So now... Here we are in 2016. And actually, you know let's forget 2014. Let's forget 2013. Let's remember 2012 when he was feuding with CM Punk for the WWE title. Lost that. Let's go back to 2011 when he wrestled the Edge and lost over and over and over again. And when he won the world title, it was because of some technicality involving Clay Matthews, the Packers player, being the referee out of nowhere, counting a pin. Yeah, don't, don't ask me how that happened. His first title reign was 11 minutes long. It makes no sense to this day. Okay, let's go back to 2010 when he was doing jobs on TV. Or 2009 when he was supposed to be put over by Rey Mysterio and he kept losing and losing. Or 2008 when he first debuted. Or hell, let's go back to 2007 when he was in developmental. Or 2006 when he was with the Spirit Squad. It's been 10 years since Dolph Ziggler's been in the WWE. And it's been... Over and over again, him being the poster boy for start and stop pushes. Hey, we'll give him some momentum. Hey, let's bury him. Hey, we'll give him some momentum. Let's bury him. Hey, we'll give him some momentum. Let's bury him. I like the guy. I think he's extremely talented. But his heyday, his peak, passed three years ago. Three years ago. You can make the argument three and a half, four years ago. And now... Against a champion that desperately needs to continue to develop credibility amongst the fan base. You have him go up against Ziggler. I'm sure Ambrose and Ziggler will be a good match. Maybe even a great match. 
Maybe, just maybe, Dolph Ziggler, since he's always been a fan favorite, even as a heel, he'll, or at least you know, amongst the hardcore fans, maybe he'll get over in, in Brooklyn. And fans will care. And the great reaction he'll get in Brooklyn will propel him to great things and somehow, some way, revitalize what's been a miserable career the last three years. Maybe, just maybe, that'll happen. But it's okay to go with Dolph Ziggler. It is. If you didn't have John Cena, if you didn't have AJ Styles, hell, if you didn't have Randy Orton, but you got three guys there, three bigger stars, three really talented guys who are currently a lot more over than than Dolph right now that could put over Ambrose Big. But instead, you have Ziggler. Now, I like the surprise. It was kind of cool. It shows that it's a new era. But you have Finn Bauer, who in one night pinned Rusev and Roman Reigns. And then on SmackDown, you have Dolph Ziggler after losing months and months and months of matches with Baron Corbin in this never-ending horrible feud, challenging for the WWE title. And oh yeah, somebody reminded me here. Hey, Fred, you forgot when, when, when Dolph Ziggler was the caddy for Kerwin White in 2005. All right, he's been in WWE for over 10 years, 11 years. You want to revitalize Dolph Ziggler? That's fine. That's fine. But do it over time. Because this guy has been beaten to death. Figuratively, not literally. Beaten to death. His character has just been soiled upon for so many years. And now you're expecting a majority of fans. I'm not talking about us fans right here that are, that are watching on YouTube and listening to other podcasts and following on Twitter. I'm talking about you know, the casual fan or you know the, the occasional fan that WWE wants to attract on SmackDown. You're telling me Dolph Ziggler, even short term, is going to have greater appeal and be a better option right now than John Cena. As, as my man DJ Khaled once said, you're playing yourself. <sighs> so overall, overall, I thought the SmackDown was very lackluster. Good main event. Very good main event. So I'll give it a thumbs in the middle. Because this is only two hours. While the main event was only like 20 minutes. It was still a pretty good main event. Becky versus Natalia was all right. And Ava Marie's entrance was just, it was great in more ways than one. So I will give this a thumbs in the middle, nearing thumbs down. Creatively, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. But overall, okay, take away the main event. It's a complete flop of a show. But we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. I'm a little disappointed. I thought they missed out on an opportunity. This is SummerSlam. If you want Ziggler to challenge for the title at Backlash or No Mercy or uh, In Your House, the zigzag, I'm fine with that. But SummerSlam in Brooklyn? Raw has Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. And you have Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler. All right. All right. Anyway, anyway, so with all that being said, let me take a few questions and then I'm going to get the hell on out of here because 
yeah, this this week of WWE has been quite exhausting. Fred, where do you think Bray Wyatt goes from here? Uh, I th- hope he gets a gimmick change where he becomes a manager at Hot Topic. Maybe he's already a manager at Hot Topic. Or maybe he becomes a gothic stylist and finally decides to get Eric Rowan a new singlet that's uh, not going to be tight around the crack of his ass. I'm not really sure other than that, though. Telvin says, I guess the AJ and Cena feud will continue. I'm perfectly fine with that. The problem is AJ got pinned by Cena on Sunday, which is fine. It continues the feud. But then gets pinned by Dolph Ziggler today, tonight, whatever. Dan Foster says, Fred, they could have put over Apollo Crews in the match. I would have liked that. Because even though Apollo Crews isn't really over, he's talented enough where if you give him the spotlight, he can get over. And it would be something different. It's not like he's been jobbed out. <sighs> Man. Call me Dr. 96. Fred, why the hell did he have AJ take the pin? Why not Cruiser Corbin? Why not Cena? I don't know. Actually, no, that would have been dumb if he pinned Cena, but you get what I'm saying. Just dumb. T. Ray Jones, and I thought Raw would have the authority stealing the spotlight. Yeah, they did kind of over-rely on, on Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Even after Dolph Ziggler won, Dean Ambrose came out to confront him. It would have been fine. But then they had Daniel Bryan come out and Shane McMahon. I think they overdid it. And here's the problem. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan are the most over-wrestlers on the show. And they're not even wrestlers anymore. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. How about the return of Sean Benjamin? I'm excited, but let's face it. Is that guy going to put get pushed to the top? No, he's not. He's just not. He's 40 years old. He, he, he's there to have some good matches, maybe win the Intercontinental title, but he's, he's not going to the top. I'm sorry. Say in 2005. Bray is going on tour with Rob Zombie. Yes, he is, Scott Anderson. Hectic Charisma says, I should have stayed up until 3 a.m. watching SmackDown. It wasn't worth the time. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was not if you were staying up that late to watch it. Just put Cruz over by having him pin Baron Corbin. I, I don't know if it went over Baron Corbin does anything for anybody, really. Okay. Anyone else think it was weird to not see Pyro at the top of the show? Missed an opportunity to show off the new set. The new set was nothing special, though, Stephen Shaw. But, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and, the, and the new song for SmackDown, it's okay. It's what you'd expect for a WWE show. I was hoping they kind of veer off into something different, kind of like the old SmackDown 2003 theme that was more like hip-hop oriented and slow and... Just kind of badass. If anybody ever played the video game Here Comes the Pain, you remember that theme music that was so freaking awesome? Well, it would have been nice to see that, but guess not. You know what this felt like? This really felt like a mid 2000s SmackDown. And and I'm not talking about the 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 2003 SmackDown, which was really good. I'm talking about 2004 when JBL became champion and you had bad storylines like Booker T versus The Undertaker. And a bunch of hot garbage. And 2005 when you had the likes of Road Warrior Animal and Tatanka roaming around on SmackDown. Oh, and, and guys like the Dicks. No, really. Their names were the Dicks. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. By the way, why is the Cruiserweight division not on SmackDown when Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ranallo are the lead commentators for the Cruiserweight Classic on the network? I don't know. Fred, what did you think about the announcing? Oh, my God. 
Oh, where do where do I begin with the announcing? Where do I begin? Listen. While I am not the broadcaster at the level of a Moro Ronaldo, and I, and I greatly respect his accomplishments, and I'm not the type of guy that that likes to, yeah, you know, I don't like to. I, I my job is to be a little critical and to give you know constructive analysis and all this jazz and give my opinion. And I appreciate you guys watching me for that. But and far be it for me to to critique a man that has called some of the biggest boxing fights in history with Floyd Mayweather. All right. Far be it for me to do that, but Moro Ronaldo and his analogies. Listen, they were better than JBLs. Okay? They're better than JBL comparing Fandango once to Randy Couture. But he he, he just referenced the card. He said something like that pit, that that two count was closer than conjoined twins. He said something about the Kardashians. He said something about Taylor Swift. Now listen. I'm a guy that has covered pop culture. I'm a guy that is a connoisseur of pop culture. I do like to throw in a few references every now and then. That's cool. And I'm not trying to say I'm better at pop culture analogies than Moro Ronaldo, but I just I felt like he overdid it. I felt like he overdid it. And I, and I, and, I, and I felt like this whole announced team was just all over the place, particularly in the Battle Royal. They just talked over each other. Couldn't get a word in. Now, Moro was the least of the problems. Moro is a trained professional. The guy knows what he's doing. Okay, I'm not hating on Moro outside of the analogies. And I know JBL is a political commentator, been on multiple TV shows, and he did Raw for years and did SmackDown for years as well. And back in the day, he was actually a great commentator. I know, it's hard to believe, but he was actually great. He really was. Go back to 2006, listen to him on SmackDown. He was great. But it is 2016, and this man just, he got in his own way. And David Otonga somehow found a way to be blander than Byron Saxton. Found a way to be blander than Byron Saxton. I got to say this. I'll give Byron Saxton his props. I've always thought that he's a better interviewer than he is a commentator. And he was really good last night on Raw as an interviewer, but I guess maybe because of the change in presentation and the addition of Corey Graves, who he knows very well in NXT, it seemed like Byron was way more comfortable and sounded like a real commentator on Raw. Meanwhile, David Otunga was just throwing in these random lines, and if he wasn't throwing in random lines, he was getting talked over by JBL and Morrow. This was a mess. A complete mess. The announcing sucked. Now I'm willing to give him another chance. This was their first night. This is live. For those that don't know, live TV is hard. Whether you're doing a YouTube stream, whether you're backstage in the production room producing a live show. I mean, I worked for a show that was live for a half hour to an hour. I can only imagine how hard it is to be live for two and three hours. Especially working under Vince McMahon, Triple H, and Kevin Dunn. That's got to be an intense situation there. But good God almighty, the commentary sucked. It was, it was not good. It was, it was not good. Moro tried his best, but but JBL and, and David Otunga made me long for... Who would have thought I would be longing for Jerry the King Lawler? Who would have thought? Ugh. Somebody here said, Well, Fred, isn't the rumor that they have David Otunga there because they want to have at least one African-American announcer? 
I heard that too. I think I read about that in Wrestling Observer a while ago. I think that's just stupid. Okay, if you want to, if you want to attract different fans from different backgrounds, here's an idea: look around. Okay, you have Apollo Cruz. You're bringing back Shawn Benjamin. You got Jason Jordan. You got some really talented black wrestlers. They happen to be really talented. They happen to be guys that could get over with the crowd. How about this? Just push them. You want to attract more Latino fans? Look around. You have Alberto Del Rio, who's done nothing. Squadouche since WrestleMania. You want to attract more Latino fans? Push him. Have him win. Protect him. You don't need to do anything deliberate. You don't need to just say, okay, well, let's, let's hire a Hispanic announcer. It's going to be great. That's going to attract fans. Okay? It's, it's going to attract. That's going to attract. No. You know what attracts fans? Pushing stars, pushing a an array of stars from different backgrounds who happen to be very talented, who can get over with your fan base. Apollo Crews fits that quota. American Alpha, they fit that quota. Alberto Del Rio, he fits that quota. Having Byron Saxton on there, and Byron Saxton, like I said, was doing all right on Raw, but I'm just saying, for the reasons that they have backstage, you know, having Byron Saxton on, and David Otunga on for the sake of, oh, let's make our announced team diverse. I think it's, it's just, it's stupid. It's stupid. Do you, do you think TNT thinks twice when they say, all right, should we put Steve Kerr on the, on this broadcast for an NBA or should we put Reggie Miller? No, no, no. They put whatever the best announced team they have available for that respective market, one of their primetime games, and they do their thing. That's it. That's it. That's it. When NBA wanted to expand in China, they didn't say, hey, let's hire a Chinese announcer. No, they said, you know what? Let's encourage teams to sign Chinese players. Ever heard of a guy named Yao Ming? That's what you do. That's what you do. Same thing with the UFC. The UFC didn't say, hey, let's replace Joe Rogan with a guy who's decent but not as good as him just because he happens to be Brazilian because we want to expand in Brazil. No, you know what they did? They signed a bunch of Brazilian fighters. They did a Brazilian version of the Ultimate Fighter. They signed a big TV deal with Brazil, Globo, and they just so happen to have some really talented Brazilian fighters who became the world champions that they featured on the marquee. It's promoting. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Not that hard. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And if you want to stick to this bizarre quota you feel like you have to fill in 2016 on the announcer's table, okay, I know he's not great, but at least he's entertaining. Put Booker T in there. Sorry, I like David Otunga, but unless he's talking about legal analysis and J-HUD, I really don't care. Maybe some workout tips. That'd be cool. Okay, Maybe he should be the official SmackDown legal analyst. Okay, Like the Roger Kosak like ESPN uh, of SmackDown. That'd be cool. But third announcer, no good. But I'm willing to give him another chance. Okay. Fred, what do you think about Sheamus? Sheamus is on Raw. He's really good, but... I don't think people really care for his character anymore or have for a, a very long time. Okay. Fred, what do you think about WWE signing more Irish stars like UFC has with Conor McGregor and uh, Joe Duffy and a few other guys? I'm down with that. I mean, they got Sheamus. You know, they got Finn Bauer, who's headlining SummerSlam. They got Becky Lynch, who's one of their top women stars. I think they're, do- I think they're doing okay. But there is a lot of talent in Europe. I mean, there really is. There really is. Europe, especially, you know, Ireland, UK, Scotland, 
you know, it's it's had like a, a renaissance. It really, it really has had like a, a renaissance. You know, I mean, Will, yeah, Will Osprey. I mean, you got Grotto, who's, you know, he's a little bit of a com. Well, he's definitely a comedy character, but the guy's drawn money for ICW. Obviously, you got Drew Galloway, who's had a, a, a career rebirth. You got a lot of talented guy, guys. Marty Skrull. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really talented guys. And Vidal, how come Scott is not on the stream tonight? Well, I was going to go pretty quickly. Uh, I thought this was going to be short and sweet, but uh, SmackDown just mind-boggled me so much. I ended up going long, as I always do. So, my bad, Scott. Okay. This is JBL's worst night besides Otunga. Alex Moore says JBL also called Kalisto Sankara. He did, and nobody corrected him, including the producer in his ear. Man. Man. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, we'll take a couple more questions here. Predict the main event of Backlash. I don't know. Dean versus Bray Wyatt, given the bizarre booking of tonight. That's weird. Uh, and okay. Why does it feel like rest of the wrestling show was the entertainment show tonight? This was asked by at Power Spy and One. Well, wrestling can be entertainment, you know, sports entertainment. But yeah, this definitely this definitely felt like Raw as opposed to what SmackDown was supposed to be. And okay. Whoa, okay. This was favorited by Katrina from Lucha Underground. That's interesting. I don't think she follows me on Twitter, but if she wants to slide in my DMs, hey, I don't got a problem with that. Okay. Ryan Loka says, I think I've been saying this for five years now. Dolph Ziggler or Bust. Moneymaker808 says, Zack Ryder should have gotten the next shot. Woo, woo, woo. Well, that didn't happen. And lastly, we'll go to my buddy Scott, who says, I think Dean's going to be champion all the way up to Survivor Series. Not a bad prediction, but if he successfully defends it against dudes like Dolph Ziggler and Bray Wyatt, and dare I say, God forbid, Kane... Ooh, ooh. I think that's going to be a problem. Man. Ugh. Oh, we'll take one more. If you could pick four guys from CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic, to get signed, who's it going to be? Well, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, they signed a bunch of guys already. But since nothing's official, official yet, um, if I get signed four guys, I think they already locked in Kota Ibushi, and, and I think they, they're on the verge of locking in Cedric Alexander. So if we take those guys out of it, um, easy. Zack Sabre Jr., TJP, TJ Perkins, who I interviewed, by the way. 41-minute-long interview I have in our interview archives. If you want to go to our playlist and check that out. Um, Zack Sabre Jr., TJP. Why are all these other guys slipping on my... Oh, Tazawa? Tazawa's awesome. And then... Jeez, I got to go online and I got to actually look at this. Let's go. Okay, Cruiserweight Classic. Well, Gargano and Chomp are already signed. So those guys are already signed. I'm pretty sure Tajiri's already signed. Uh, I mean, Dorado. Dorado for sure. Although I think he's already signed as well. So yeah, I mean, any of those guys. You'll bring back Brian Kendrick as a player coach. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. You know, Tony Nese is really talented. He, he's wrestling this week on the CWC against uh, Bennett. He's really good. So, 
Yeah, any of these guys. The Bollywood Boys, Drew Gulak. Hell, sign, sign all these guys. They're all really good. You know, some of them are green like Bennett. But you know what? They all have potential. They all have potential. So why not? You need bodies right now. Okay, do you think Kurt Angle will appear? Eventually. But uh, unfortunately, not right now. But folks, I'm going to get on out of here. I hope you enjoyed this recap of SmackDown. What a difference 24 hours makes. I was all pumped up. I was all jazzed up for Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Shockingly, surprisingly, dumbfoundingly brought me back down. But I'm going to give it a chance. We'll see what happens. American Alpha debuts next week. Brock Lesnar appears on Monday Night Raw next week. I hope you enjoyed not one, not two, but three straight days of live TSC shows. If you did, please click the like button. Please share this with all your friends. Please spread the good word about TSC News. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Until next time, everybody, as always, woo, enjoy the matches.